In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 325, the big one! No, not really. <laughs> the big one in terms of the size of the issues we're covering. Uh, but, but, uh, which, which may not match our enthusiasm for the issues, but at least not both of them. I guess we can call this 2018 annuals, because I haven't seen a Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps annual solicited. And an annual is supposed to be once a year, so... 2018 yeah. annuals? Yeah, I guess we could. Yeah, we'll call it 2018 annuals. So we are covering Greenland Turns annual number one, as well as Wonder Woman annual number two. Uh, and you should already know why we're covering that, but in case you don't, the Wonder Woman one features a Star Sapphire story. So that's why we're covering that. But first up, we're talking about uh, Green Lantern's annual number one, Mark. You're taking this one. You want to go ahead and lead us down the road here? No, but I'm going to. <laughs> or lead Old Yeller out to pasture yeah, and blow his head off. That's kind of like how I feel. I want to take this issue out behind the shed and put a bullet in it. Uh, <laughs> not because it's that bad. It's just that, you know, it's, it's just there's a lot of things going on in this issue. Just it, it doesn't cleanse the palate. Let's put it that way. So let's go through. Uh, first of all, yeah. I like to I like to cover at least two thirds of it because I like Jessica in the, in the front and Simon's okay in the back. Hal looks like crap, kind of in the back, but he's in the shadows, so it's kind of hard to tell. <laughs> but what is what uh, what is with this title to hunt the unthinkable foe? That's a really odd title, <laughs> especially considering they don't really know who the foe is. For most oh, of there really <laughs> isn't really really isn't one. But moving beyond that, spoiler alert is the fact that the un, you know you always hear like to fight the unbeatable foe, the unthinkable foe. <laughs> it's like, all right. So the actual t- the inside title of the of the issue is the Lost Lantern. Again, not exactly an original uh, term in Green Lantern lore. So Andy Diggle is the writer for this. Mike Perkins is who does the art and apparently does the inking too, which is kind of all relevant, at least on the Perkins front, since he will be teaming with Dan Jurgens from issue 50 until the next announcement that there's going to be a new team of the book gets canned, one of the two. Uh, Andy Troy, colors, Dave Sharp letters, Mike Perkins and Andy Troy did the cover. Andrew Marino, the assistant editor, editor and Brian Cunningham, the editor. So, of course... Just because – maybe this is a tie-in to its sister book because we have Exiting the Transluminal Space. <laughs> that uh, We're in the uh, Vicure system, Space Sector 0004. And 
and basically we we, we find out that the, the the whole the whole premise here is like every, there was this in the Vakir system, its sun went nova. Uh, the Vakir planet, pretty much. Not all the not all the Vakirians or whatever they are. They not all they didn't all get blown up, but the planet got destroyed. Their home world got destroyed, and there's the uh, their 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 Green Lantern, who was one of the their race you know their races were one of the first ones to be inducted into the Green Lantern Corps, and like every thousand years they come back to they basically come back to commemorate. Uh, the life of this of this lost lantern at this basically at this tomb, and they have so so basically Jessica and Jessica and Simon have been chosen to uh, not only attend the ceremony but why we have to ask too but to speak at the ceremony. <laughs> so one of the more one of the more interesting aspects of this is the master of ceremonies that Yol Latua character. It kind of reminds me of Salak. He is a little Salak-like. Uh, he also, design-wise, looks like he <laughs> had some sort of digital error. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some, there's something, there's a little unevenness just to the whole very nature of the of the aliens of that whole race. It just seems there's something very. There's not a whole lot of smooth edges on this guy. Let's put it that way. Talk about rough around the edges, cha-ching, that's, that's this guy. So he's the master of the ceremonies, and of course this, we find out that you know, the, the Vakir people here are very uptight. Or very, very uh, fastidious, something along those lines. They, they are very all about, about proper behavior and ceremony, and there's not a whole lot of flexibility in the way they view things. So... Jessica and Simon kind of get right off the bat. They, they kind of don't hit it off with this guy because this guy kind of points out that you know their their attire is inappropriate, but but yet some but nonetheless acceptable, which kind of is a contradiction really because it's either one or the other. It can't be, but that's just because in his mind's eye, from their perspective, that you really shouldn't be messing around with your traditional Green Lantern uniform, even though you're allowed to, which is what he was trying to get a point across. And Jessica tries to shake shake his hand, one of like four of them, and. Uh, he says, "Oh no, no, no! You know, personal contact is inappropriate. Pretty much everything is inappropriate. That's that's kind of the ongoing, ongoing gag here." Jessica, we find out Jessica's been prepping to speak, and she's been you know, doing background, on, you know, on the on the history of the people and and their customs and their culture and everything else. And Simon pretty much hasn't done anything, you know, because Simon, as Simon liked to like to say, you know, he just figured he was going to wing it. Which is which is kind of really 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 funny about the fact that uh, when the time actually comes for them to do their little speeches, you know, Simon pretty much knocks it out of the park. Not as far as uh, the master of ceremonies is concerned, because he just keeps going on about inappropriate this, inappropriate that. But the point that he's trying to get across in his, you know, in in his sp- speech about. Uh, just the idea that you know that the Green Lantern's job is to shine light, you know, in the in the darkness, and that's how we help people, you know. But in order to do that, we need to shine a light into our own darkness, illuminate ourselves, conquer not only our own fear but our own folly, and become our become our better selves. Which is also kind of funny coming from Simon on some level. But the reality is, so this this point seems to go across pretty well. His speech goes well. Of course, Jessica gets up there. And unfortunately, you know, Jessica pretty much just kind of like spits the bit, 
you know, she can't get the Lost Lantern's name right, which is not an easy... It doesn't really roll off the tongue there, but Khan Amaratu's... Khan Amaratataz or something, or Amarutaz, probably. Let's just call him Ka. <laughs> but she tries to pronounce his name multiple times. Ka! Ka! <laughs> Insert that clip. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, in a slight tangent, you know one one clip we really need to have ready at all times the uh, the Shatner get a life clip because we do because I do throw that out quite often in these episodes. We should have that ready to go. Maybe that will actually be part of. We can almost have like which the episodes get a life moment. <laughs> you know, life. I've I've got a, a a USB soundboard. You know this because I've I've had it for a while. It's like yeah, when I get a an upgraded system, I'm gonna install it. But I have for those of you who are familiar. I have the uh, Behringer Q502 USB soundboard. Uh, soundboard. I guess it's got like gain and equalization and stuff. I don't know. Maybe it's possible to program in some <laughs> some sort of uh, soundboard with sound effects for whenever we do something. For because I'm maybe there's a way to connect this to my MacBook Pro, but I really doubt it. It's probably best saved for when I actually have like a custom built PC. <laughs> Yeah, but it, but but I, I just that just made me think of the fact that it would be that I I do tend to go, do do that chat to go back to that get a life people, <laughs> so it would be kind of li- nice to have that ready or like I said maybe once in a while not every episode we'll just have that the, this the, the get a life award or the get a life segment <laughs> or we can you know anytime someone in a comic we read asks who are you I am a human meat popsicle <laughs> just drop that one in there too. <laughs> so poor Jessica. She besides bungling Ka's name over there, she tries to, you know, she tries to get her point across, but she just stammers all over the place, and and she just doesn't. She does a really, 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 unfortunately bad job, which which kind of like after afterwards, they're kind of like they're all, they're all talking among, kind of like talking amongst themselves, having drinks afterwards, you know, in the post ceremony, and Hal's like, well. That could have been worse. And, and John's like, how exactly? <laughs> and he, and even Simon's kind of like, you know, which is kind of shitty, that Simon's kind of like, rat. Simon seems to be that guy, that guy that'll rag on anybody as long as he's with other people to rag, <laughs> rag on them with. I, kinda, I, I get that vibe off of, off of Simon, because he's basically just hanging there with, with Hal and John, and he's joining in. And, and ragging on Jessica. Meanwhile, Jessica basically she's just taken off into space because of the fact that she's she just needs to literally blow off steam because she was and she's really upset with herself and in in her performance. Uh, the master ceremonies there goes at sends a construct of himself to to reach out to Jessica because she's on the surface of of this tomb. And it's like, your absence has been noted. And it's like, a solitude is inappropriate. <laughs> and she just freaks out. She goes, I know, just give me a minute. And, of course, this, poor Jessica just can't buy a break. It's like, uh, truly the age of heroes is long past. We shall never see their like again. And it's this little snotty comment before he fades away. And that kind of, like, really pisses her off. And she starts basically, you know, slamming, slamming her fist into the surface. And she feels, you know, she starts feeling a little bit better. But then, then we get kind of like this, like a green energy, uh, a dialogue balloon from from a from a ring, but it's not Jessica's ring, and you can tell it's different because it's also a darker green. It's not like the lighter color green, and like disorderly conduct detected, resistance is inappropriate, 
or futile. <laughs> Another starfish. Uh, enhancing countermeasures, and you know, Jessica's willpower is at 96%, but the whoever she's clashing with, the willpower, says it's at 255%. I like that, Jessica. That's not even math! And these, like, these big tentacles, it's almost like Ion-like, but uh, it kind of reminded me of Ion a little bit. Suppress, restrain, detain, and they capture Jessica, and they pretty much take her, in, you know, underground in the surface of, under the surface of this tomb. Uh, Simon, Jessica, Simon, uh, John, and Hal become aware of what's going off, uh, what's going on, and where Jessica flew off to. They go to to examine the the scene of the crime, if you will. They kind of detect detect a lantern construct. It's like, is it hers? And Simon's like, Jessica, are you there? And you know, Hal starts, you know, Hal starts trying to interface with you know the the area where the construct was, and they, but they're not really meshing together. And all of a sudden, then the tentacles come out and they start attacking. They start attacking uh, John, Hal, and Simon. John, you know, using his leader of the core designation, you know, he, he kind of talks. He kind of talks and tries to basically tell them, you know, to identify yourself. And the the, the ring dialogue bubble keeps keeps saying like, you know, imposters detected. And meanwhile, they're blocking the commu- It's also blocking their communication with Jessica Jessica Cruz. So Simon, John, and Hal keep fighting. Meanwhile, and they're not doing, but the same suppress, restrain, detain. And while they start giving it their best shot, once it goes to enhancing countermeasures, willpower at 1,487%. So things are not going to go well for them. Jessica kind of Jessica regains consciousness, and <clears throat> basically what we what we do find out here, and meanwhile. Simon, John, and Hal all got captured. Uh, so, as you could, as it was fairly predictable, you know they were not going to be able to overcome this tremendous willpower. Why is another story potentially? But we find out that you know, Jessica follows this follows this trail of energy, and she also more or less uses her. She more or less back. She kind of like re- removes all the updates to the AI to her ring to go back to her to a ancient more. A more ancient, rudimentary version of the artificial intelligence in the ring, and that is a, able to open a dialogue, you know, quote unquote, a dialogue between her ring and this other Green Lantern power. And she finds out that basically what we're dealing with here is the Lost Lantern himself, who is basically in the form of stasis. Ka is pretty much in the center of this, of this whole tomb. That basically this whole tomb, this whole world, essentially is one big energy construct. Created by, by Ka, and you know he's in, in a self-imposed stasis, and we find, and more or less, we find out the whole story here is when he was appointed, when he was appointed Green Lantern, basically he was stuck literally between a rock and a hard place, between tr- trying to follow the rule of law of the Green Lantern Corps and follow the law of his people, and he just, and basically he kind of got. If I'm correct, he got guilted into doing following the laws of his people more. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So because of that, he based, he felt he w- he was unworthy and more or less betrayed the 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 power and the honor that was bestowed upon him of the Green Lantern ring, and more or less he kind of like put himself in like a self-imposed exile. And when that happened, he kind of during the phase of the time he was in, in his exile. That also meant they didn't have an active Green Lantern in that sector, 
and this world was unprotected, so when the sun went over, he wasn't around to save the planet. So it kind of that kind of added added to his guilt about what's go, about going on. So that's so that's pretty much why he's kind of been out of it all this time. Jessica tries to uh, Jessica, you know, comforts him. You know, it's like uh, you know, it's like listen, listen, what you've done here is unbelievable. The willpower it must have taken to keep this place in stasis for eons, but it's time to let it go. You know, the, the autarchs, you know, the the you know the autocracy that was basically ruling his planet there you know the history and trust me you've got backup like you wouldn't believe come on let's free this people here and go home and we we kind of basically see that cause and it's kind of like in a tri, more or less like a tribunal not really a trial and the master of ceremonies is there along you know with john and everybody and more or less they uh in a way, uh, Simon was seemingly was lined up to be <laughs> to be a witness for the prosecution, but he kind of ends up more or less becoming a witness for the defense, even though he says he wants to be neutral, which he kind of is doing. And he just kind of points out, you know, the last the lost lantern screwed up for sure, but he thought he was doing the right thing, and he spent more time paying for it than I can even imagine. And we've, he basically gets he basically is judge he is judged guilty. And then he should be, you know, stripped of your power ring status as a Green Lantern and incarcerated, blah 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 blah. But then, but then we find out that more or less he's being allowed to that all his time served when he was in, you know, his self-imposed exile. Pretty much, that's going to be that's his sentence is going to be more or less taken care of with that time served. In his own punishment is going to be it. And you know, he so so cause. So more or less, Ka, Ka is free, and I guess we don't necessarily, we don't 100% know if he's, you know, what's, we assume he's going to be a Green Lantern again just because he says he's going to serve on parole under the watch of them. So his his ultimate fate to see what, you know, how how it's all going to pan out is a little up in the air, but we can, but he's in Jessica and Simon's hands, and he's going to, so what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> I think I got more out of it than I expected. Uh, what'd you think? It was okay. I felt I felt I I felt bad for Ka. I do feel I because that is kind of being put in a really crappy position. It's which I don't. It's not entirely that. You I mean it's not 100% original. I think we've seen examples of this before, where basically the authority or the power and the responsibility of, from the that the guardians bestow upon you clash with you know your culture and what people expect you to do with the ring or vice versa. So that part wasn't overly original, but it was cool. I don't entirely know if you really get much of an explanation for why his willpower should be as strong as it is entirely. Uh, I know he's there for like you know a million years or whatever, so I guess that could just grow exponentially, kind of like the way Larfleys is his power, his his control over the orange has grown. Over the over the millennia, so I guess that's, and I am I I am curious to see how uh, this to see him kind of depending how long they focus on this, that it would be interesting to see this kind of the Green Lantern adjusting to kind of like a new status quo. Again, we don't know. You know, it is obviously different from what he's used to, and he he clearly never got to do that much in. As a, as a core member outside of his own world, pretty much. That's what it, the impression you directly get. So to see the rest of the universe and to and to maybe for the first time get to use the power that like Green Lanterns are supposed to do, 
not just your own planet and not even just your own sector, but the, all the true bigger picture. I'm interested, I think. I'd rather read about him than Simon, so... <laughs> Which is interesting. This is yet another story where Jessica takes the spotlight and Simon's just sort of, eh, there. I mean, he tells a good story and, yeah. you know, he asks if the hors d'oeuvres are halal and he asks, you know, he says, let's play I Spy and he's in front of the the judge saying, I'm not interested in picking a side, just telling it like it is. Like, you, those are good moments to see with him, but it's yet another Jessica story. Uh, we don't learn or... Um, yeah, we don't learn anything about uh, Simon. We don't get much focus on him. Uh, it's an annual. It's a one-shot, which is what I've been saying annuals should be all along. So I applauded there. Not a huge fan of the art, though it does have a, uh, several positive spots. But throughout, you know, if I were to take it as a total, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, but I won't say it's bad for every page. Uh, this issue does play, take place, as Mark and I were talking before uh, we started recording, um, it takes place largely in the dark, so or, or darker places. So I thought, you know, you know, it could just be a fact of that, um, that I th- those moments I'm not a big fan of. Uh, another thing I will mention, too, is did you notice the color of the green for the older... Uh, constructs and and the 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 particularly the uh, wording bubbles well, for that it, old ring. Well, I know it's darker green. I did know I did, did mention that, but I don't know. Yeah, did 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 does it remind you of anything? <clears throat> Was it like the dawn ion green? No, the dawn the dawnbreaker. Oh yeah. Oh, I guess yeah, it could have been. Yeah, so, I mean, now I'm not saying there's any tie or it's even intentional or even, you know, there. I'm just saying, you know, if you take that and run with it yourself uh, on your own, on your own time, you could go, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe Dawnbreaker was able to override his ring because in his universe it was, you know, reverting back to an older form of, of the uh, operating system. <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, Bruce Wayne's uh, will overrided the OS. That's that's what it was. Um, but anyways, um, I thought it was also interesting that they went with like he rounded up all his people, formed them in a bunch of bubbles, and then formed that bubble into a bubble. And when his planet was destroyed, the leftover debris field coalesced around said construct, which made it look like a planetoid which everyone just assumed this is the what is left of the planet we thought was destroyed. Yes. So that that was interesting. Although I'm I'm very curious as to why nobody was able to pick up on the energy signal. That's true. I mean even covered by dirt and rock and even being an old 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 version <clears throat> of the of the Ring and Guardian OS it still should have been emitting a signal, especially for millions and millions of years, and the fact that this guy's willpower is so strong. Somebody should have picked it up. So, especially if they've been doing this Lost Lantern uh, ceremony, you know, on a semi-annual basis, sort of, you know, annual, I guess, in terms of whatever system (laughs) they're using to, to base this on. You know, you would assume, like, 
at some point when they began this, the Guardians were in attendance for said service and could have, you know, even if the Lanterns themselves couldn't detect it, I'm sure the Guardians would have been like, hey, there's something amiss here. <laughs> but... Yeah, probably so. Even even when operating like on Windows like ninety five, <laughs> it's oh, this is this is more MS DOS. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Windows three actually, but but, but Windows yeah. Well, no, because it says it, I I I don't have the page in front of me, but one of the bubbles it says to Jessica is it asks her some query and then it says Y slash N. So you're supposed to respond with keystrokes. Well, all right, yes, <laughs> which is definitely an MS-DOS thing. Run this program? Okay, YN, yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Simon si- Simon also puts his shirt on and it looks seductive. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's another thing he does. They share a room together. Yeah, and and then and then there was the the, un, the uncomfortable banter, you know, when the master of ceremonies asked if they were a breeding pair. <laughs> yeah. It's like no, no, hey, it doesn't mean I wouldn't, but it's like. <laughs> do you think Do you think they're really gonna go here, or are they just teasing us with this? Well, well, to be perfectly honest, it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to know that now because we don't we don't know what the original plans were. I mean, we don't know if I. It certainly seemed. It certainly seemed like Seely was going in that direction, I but 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 Seely is gone now. <laughs> so I don't. I would probably lean towards Jurgens not going in that direction. So I would probably say no. No, but I. It, there's always a chance, and we also don't. We also don't know what the status quo was going to be with uh, in this book going forward. Yeah, because the first the first issue or two is Simon on the Run or something, right? Some yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, because 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 of the fact that people now is yeah now it's like Simon. People think that he did something that he didn't that he that he maybe he did do maybe he didn't do and yeah I think you're right I think that's one of the I think that's one of the first arcs <laughs> that we're gonna we're gonna be dealing with. Uh, I've got nothing else for this. Uh, I just wanted to see if we wanted to spend any more time on the art, since this you mentioned this will be the artist on the uh, upcoming series with Jurgens. So since this is a snapshot of what we'll be getting down the line, I just wanted to see if there's anything else we wanted to explore about the art before we moved on. I, did, I overall didn't have an issue with the with the art. I think it was hit or miss. There are some panels in which Simon and Jessica look really good, and there are some panels that they don't look really good. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's certainly a different style, and I think it's, in a way, it's a, a more of a human style. Like there's a lot of you, there's a lot of re- emotion and a lot of natural uh, reactions and facial gestures and things like that that you get in this in this book. Uh, but Hal and John look a little off sometimes. Hal yes. in particular. Uh, which makes me somewhat worried some, since Hal will be a part of this, at least towards the beginning. <clears throat> I agree. So, but I guess if you want to look for a, a little bit of saving grace, potentially, if you look at the page when when uh, the, when they're talking about how bad Jessica just did, the how, you know, the well, that could have gone worse page, that the, that the one full panel of Hal's face there doesn't look so bad. Yeah. So there's a so there's a ch- so there's a chance maybe when he draws Hal up close, 
he can do a decent job. But yes, but for the most part, yes. Hal doesn't look good. John doesn't look particularly good. Uh, so it's 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 hit or miss. I think the aliens look good. I so. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to rush the judgment on this. I certainly think it's better than some of the art we've seen in these books lately. So I'm okay, I'm okay with it. So, but, gotcha. but, let, but let's see, but let's see how it goes. Uh, and plus, let's be let's be honest. The uh, the Dan Jurgens writing will make the art look a lot better too. <laughs> True, <laughs> and and and. and, and and in case you know, I mean, in, in case anybody's listening who has uh, is, is considering picking up Green Lanterns for the first time once Jurgens comes on, or you haven't been reading for a while, you, you dropped it after a little bit, and we'll be coming back. Or hell, anybody at DC, hell, even even the the artist himself. In case anybody's listening, I'm not saying the art is necessarily bad. It's just there because I I by no stretch of the imagination am an artist. So at no point in this did I went, oh, that sucks, and go, I don't want to read this. There were just moments to me where it just felt off. Like, you know, the beginning splash page where we see Simon and Jessica in space. I think they both look pretty great there. And there are moments where they look pretty great. But then you take those moments and compare them to other said moments, and it just looks like we're seeing a different standard there maybe the artist was rushed maybe some of those panels had to be redone uh maybe the colorist went a little too crazy i i don't know but it just looks like the quality because because basically what you're seeing in that beginning of splash page is what the artist can do so if they can do that shouldn't it look similar throughout the issue yes well Artists don't always have the time, the the you know, and, and so on. And this is an annual, so it's a bit longer. We don't know the circumstances behind it. I'm just saying, as I was reading this, while there wasn't a moment I wanted to put it down and say fuck this art, there was also sev- I can't fully say I enjoyed the art 100% from start to finish. So. I don't know if that cleared anything up. <laughs> <laughs> Are we moving on to... Yes, uh, let's, let's... No pun intended, right. let's do Wonder Woman. All right, Wonder Woman Annual number two, The Dark Gods to Save the Star Sapphires. Now, holy crap, do you hear that, people? Chad bought an issue. <laughs> Chad, I thought all your Green Lantern stuff was uh, done digitally. Well, yes, it is. Um... Except when it's really good. And when it's really good, I, I, I do still buy the occasional comic. Like, the other day I got Black AF Widows and Orphans number one and Port of Earth number five. There, there are issues and things I will buy hard copies of. Like Ragman, when that 60-issue series was out, I bought three copies of every issue. It's because I wanted to support the series. Same with, when something is good, even if I've already read it, because I will try everything digitally, but when I, if I read it and go, holy crap, I like that, then I go out and buy the issue. Wonder Woman Annual Number Two is such an issue. Now, do I enjoy it 100%? Did I get it? What reasons did I get it? We'll see. <laughs> Wonder Woman Annual Number Two opens up on Zamoran, as you would expect. The caption says, "Love is dying." 
on the world where love is everything. And we see their central power battery not destroyed, but severely damaged. On Zamoran, home of the Star Sapphires, a force for order and good who use the power of love as their energy source in place of will or fear or rage. Two Star Sapphires show up on the surface of the planet, teleporting with them in tow is Wonder Woman. One of these sapphires is Miri. Woohoo! Dan goes crazy. <laughs> uh, she's saying, hey, I got to get back. Things are crazy where I was. We're going to just assume at the end of one of the Wonder Woman issues, some Star Sapphires popped up. I was going to go find the old issue, see if I could find anything. But, you know, it's fairly obvious that that's what happens. Um, Mary says that she's needed here. Wonder Woman says that there's a problem that she herself started. Uh, and, you know, she says... Uh, let's see here. Um, let's see. Uh, this, all of this may be my fault somehow. They say we, we understand. She said, if you're to blame for the dark gods coming in any way also lies at your feet, then you also must account for our current plight on Zamoran for your home is not the only world where their cancer takes root as the Sapphire points to the sky and you see a giant dark statue monolith floating above uh, the surface of Zamoran. Uh, Wonder Woman notes that it does look similar to the same monoliths and dark gods that uh, she was facing before. They tell the story of what happened. The Star Sapphires took flight, and uh, this god, who calls himself Carnell, the god of love, although his idea of it differs greatly from ours. If he does indeed mean love, then it's love in its cruelest, crudest form. Uh, he can detect any flaw in someone's love, any hint or pride of pride or jealousy that might lurk deep within to taint its purity. And that's how he killed and destroyed a bunch of star sapphires, including their greatest, who was Della Ferron. Uh, they all fell. Well, the ones that went up against him fell. The others retreated back to the surface, and then they went to go get Wonder Woman. Why Wonder Woman? We need a leader. Our great leaders are dead. First Queen Agapo, and then Della Ferron, and our greatest, Carol Ferris, is unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the last time we saw Carol, so I don't know what she's unavailable for, but okay. Um, Wonder Woman sort of briefly recaps her... Time as a Star Sapphire during Blackest Night. We get a nice splash page here. Really like that splash page, by the way. Um, she says, all right, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this together. Let me look the part. So they say, as you wish it, so do we. Wonder Woman, be a Star Sapphire once more. So she's put in her Blackest Night Star Sapphire uh, costume. Goes up into the sky to take on the monolith. It lights up, shoots at her, and out comes the... Uh, the god Carnell. He goes up against her and he says, I've actually been expecting you. I'm the one who put the idea in the Sapphire's head to bring you here. You know, why would you want me to help the star Sapphires? What I want is that the earth be free of you. So my brethren can change your world to a semblance of ours without the interference of the one who summoned us. You remember that, don't you? You wished for the God's return. Well, here we are. Here I am. She says, yes, but I, I meant the Greek pantheon. It said, you wished for gods. That's all you said. 
So basically, this is what happens towards the end of the DC Metal stuff. This is all a result of the DC Metal, the Dark Multiverse. At some point during said story, I'm not going to go into it because DC Metal, while something I enjoy, is also, I admit, a convoluted, crazy mess of a story. And we don't need to fall into that wellspring. Suffice it to say, at one point, Diana wishes for the gods to return. Uh, one of the, the fallouts that we get from DC Metal is that the source wall breaks. That's where you get the, all the crap coming that's uh, in that Justice League No Justice 4 issue series that just wrapped up, as well as the beginnings of this new Justice League series that Scott Snyder's writing. Uh, I assume that's where this ultraviolet lantern is going to come from. But also... Diana wished for gods, so the gods returned, but not the gods she wanted. Um, he says, I'm Carnell, the god of love, essentially. Let me tell you what happened. Our beautiful world, which you regard as a dark multiverse, we see as a paradise, where we were more than even gods to our worshippers. We were everything. Uh, I, love always comes with conditions. Sometimes I confess, I question Am I the god of that love, of those conditions behind it? But then I realize I don't care. Um, so he uses his power to see the corrupt, the corruption behind her love, the taints behind it. Uh, and he says there's nothing unconditional about love. Uh, see who I am and where I came from. And I'm going to read this part just so you know kind of his origins and the origins of these other gods. If you are intrigued by the story and want to see where things go about after the end of this. He says, Look and learn, you'll meet a boy, his mother broken by a wanton father who forced her to cheapen herself further with race and underbeings. Uh, the mother died beaten to death. When he saw her blood still dripping from the fists of his father, the boy ran, fearing the same fate. The boy loved his mother, but hated his father and the world. Both emotions, love and hate, burned so brightly that even from within the darkness of our world, their glow caught the eye of mighty King Best. Our world was young then. King Best was still gathering his pantheon. The boy was chosen to become Carnell. He became both a man and a god. My world, the world of King Best and my fellow gods, was forged by the Titans, much like the reality of your own Greek pantheon, Amazon. Although our titans destroyed five other realities, smashed them into nothing to create the energy that forged our plane of existence. We dark gods followed as gods do. King Best, and then the rest, and me. But now we've been taken from our world. We five, at least. Others remain, seven more. But without the might of King Best as their father god, I fear for their control over our worshippers. You did that. You tore us from our realm of love and fear and control. Can you imagine what it felt like to lose your home in fear and never find your way back? And she says, wait, you know, why why bring me here? To You want earth. Why the sapphires? You said you planted the idea. All that matters is that I'm not on earth. That's right, isn't he? He's like, enough. You've got to pay for what you've done. He uh, lets loose a volley. That's when the star sapphires show up for reinforcements. Wonder Woman says, get back to Zamoran. She goes with them. Uh, Carnell can't follow just uh, too quickly. They get ahead of him. He's still coming down. But Wonder Woman's saying, you can't win this. I said you couldn't win, but I can. With your help, love can be real and true. We all know that. It doesn't have to be tainted and corrupted. 
by bringing him and the other dark gods here, I have some kind of edge still trying to work that out. All I know is that you attacking Carnell directly will end in him destroying you. You have to fire at me. My love together with yours will be our way to victory. Um, they fire their love. They channel it all into her broadsword. Diana, as she approaches uh, Carnell in the stratosphere with uh, these uh, sapphires behind her, says, you told me your origin. The sad boy, I hold no hate in my heart for you, only pity and love. A love made 100-fold by my sisters around me. Do you hear me, Carnell? I love you, she says as she stabs him. He says, enjoy this moment. You beat a god for this round at least. I'll see you on Earth when you'll face the five of us. He disappears. Her And um, Sapphires thank her. They send her back. She says, I'm back. But back to what? The air so thick. I left my brother Jason to face what? I can hear the screams, the smell of blood and steel. I need to get free of the smoke. Need to see... Oh, as Carnell said, round two. And that ends that story to be continued in Wonder Woman number 48. Did a little bit more reading than I intended, but uh, it's all right. What did you think? It was interesting. I I think I would have liked it more if I wasn't such a... Seemingly, if you didn't have to have a little more of a background on the dark metal stuff. Uh, gotcha. I think that I think it would have had more of an appeal to me, even at the end, the way it kind of like like this is this is like you know what it kind of reminds me of. It kind of like almost reminds you of one of maybe appropriately of one of those Blackest Night like miniseries or things that that if you, you hold on, do you, do you mean miniseries in terms of like the three issue Superman and yeah, Batman and yes, Wonder Woman, yes. or are you returning like the resurrected title one shots? No, no, no. I'm I'm talking I'm talking more than miniseries. Okay. Where it was, and like we see with all major events, like whenever they do the, the tie the, the tie-ins, and it's like, well, if you didn't read that issue, but most of the time you're really not that lost. Most of the time, that it's kind of like a side thing, and, and once you get to the main, the, you know, the main maxi series or whatever, that's where all the pieces come in. Even even like stuff with. The, not even the miniseries, even the stuff with Green Lantern, like all the stuff with Sinestro becoming the White Lantern and all that stuff, is like they they kind of recapped everything the way they did, uh, or they put you in a position where if you just were reading the Blackest Night series proper, that and you weren't a huge Green Lantern fan, that you didn't really need to know all that stuff that happened in the Green Lantern issue when Sinestro became the White Lantern before he got like split in half and then healed himself. So it's kind of like that where it's like. Because Wonder Woman ends up squaring off with this guy again, you know, right at the end of this issue, and that carries over into her book, that it's kind of, I mean, it's not necessarily, obviously it's a Wonder Woman annual, so it's its more, its the odds are most people would have, would read it if they're reading Wonder Woman, as, as opposed to, let's say, this was a, this was like a Green Lantern annual, or a Green Lantern book annual, that had the Sapphires and Diana in it. It, I, I, I liked it uh, for, for what it was. The art was a little hit or miss for me. I did find it interesting. As for me. Yes, I did find it interesting that we do have a we, we, we have a do we have a dude sapphire. <laughs> they do mention that. That was cool. Uh, as sort of I guess DC's way to say it's not a girls' club anymore. And it, and it was just it wasn't it wasn't like a big moment too. It was just like subtle. Wonder, yeah, it was one panel. Wonder Woman says something about sisters. Oh, and I see brother too, and it's like love is love is, is kind of their response in that same panel. And 
that's it. So I like how they didn't make that a big deal. They're just like, yeah, we have male members now, so what? <laughs> and I like some of the lanterns we see. We see uh, we see one from, I guess, Gallius Zed's race, like a yes, big head. I just, I, when I was flipping through, following along, that was one of the things that struck me more, the fact that, yes, it's, I, I guess, like... I guess every core has to have somebody from that race. <laughs> if we haven't seen them yet, we know what's ha- going to happen at some point. It looks like there's a fox, too. Yes. And uh, uh, one of them sort of looks like uh, one of Salik's race that's as one. well. Yeah, that's true. And the one right behind the fox's butt, until you zoom in close, almost looks like Dr. Fate's helmet until you realize that's just uh, somebody's face. Yeah. Um, so, why did I buy it? Like an actual physical copy of it. Um, well, I gotta say, this is a, this is an odd issue for me artistically because there were moments I didn't like it uh, or thought it looked sort of off, kind of like the, the 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 Green Lanterns annual. But the moments I did like, I loved. Like I didn't just i i would I would say, oh, that's kind of cool, and then I'd turn a page and go, wow. That splash page of her during Blackest Night, for instance, I mentioned that. That's that's one of the moments I was like, holy shit, that's cool. And then uh, another aspect of the art, the colors. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, I know it's a really simple thing, but it's been so long since we've seen the sapphires that I, I almost forgot how cool you can do that sort of power because they're, they're crystals and the planet, the s- surface, and... The, the hard parts of it can be this sort of deep, dark violet, and then their light can be these different shades of violet. Their costumes can have different shades of violet. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's just a really cool thing to see. Uh, I really enjoyed the Blackest Night Wonder Woman miniseries, so I wanted to see more of that in that costume. The art change um, from uh, the main style that you start with into all the flashback stuff, that was cool and very well done. Uh, there were moments I really didn't like it, particularly um, in like the recap of uh, Zarnell's origins. But I but I liked it and enjoyed it when we got the recap of what happened to the Sapphires when he showed up. So there were moments I liked that style and didn't. And by the way, James Robinson was the writer. Uh, Mark Lamming, Fraser Irving, Jim Califore, and Stephen Segovia were the artists. David Barron, Fraser Irving, and Alan Pasalequa were the colors. Seda Timfane, letters. Uh, Yasmin Paturi was Patri was a cover, which I'm not a big fan of the cover, quite honestly. Um, and uh, Dave. Welligoss, assistant editor, Chris Conroy, editor, James S. Rich, group editor, and Wonder Woman created by William Moulton Marston. Um, I got, I also got it because it was cool to see Siri, uh, Mary again. Uh, you know, there's so many reasons. Just like one of the things we've said, I think in two, uh, I think we've said these these in both of the uh, State of the Green Lantern Union episodes. It's been that long since we've seen the Sapphires that I think we've mentioned this in both state of the union episodes was where are the Indigo tribe and where are the Sapphires? This is the primary reason I bought this issue. This is, this is much the same way me buying three copies of 
of every issue of the Ragman six issue miniseries was me just telling DC more Ragman, please, regardless of whether I loved everything about it or not. Me b- going out and purchasing a physical copy of this issue was my way of saying more, please. <laughs> like I, I want to see what's been going on with the Sapphires. I wanted to see him pop up somewhere and DC gave it to us. So regardless of how good or not good it is, I'm going to go purchase it and say, hey, you did the thing I want. Maybe I didn't like the way you do it, but you did it. Can I please have more? That was That's why I bought it. Uh, and it, 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 it helps that I didn't hate the issue either. So I, I really enjoyed it, actually. Uh, the story was pretty good. Like I said, the art was hit or miss for me, but the, the moments I enjoyed it, I really enjoyed it. It was fun, and it was good to see the Saf- it was good to see the sapphires back. It's good to see that Wonder Woman isn't exactly running away from her sapphire time and her mm-hmm. ties to the to that core, which is nice. I mean, which I mean, it's really it's really nice because even though it's we know it's a quote unquote one a positive emotion, it is on the far end of the emotional spectrum, so it could be obviously a negative. So, which I guess we're kind of seeing with. Uh, Maybe in a way, with with the main villain here, in a way we are seeing, you know, kind of how how love can be, you know, the corrupted side of love, and how how dangerous it really can be in a way. So, but I, I like the fact that that Wonder Woman is on really, really, really good terms, or at least that opens certainly opens the door for a, you know a, a further continuation of the of the ties between the two. Yeah, um, I, th- I think a good part of it too is the sort of parallels you get between Amazons and Sapphires. Yes, I mean, I mean, it, it's it's almost it's almost too easy to write a story where she gets along with them uh, when you consider that. And you also have you also have just a one thing I wanted to ask: Do you buy how she defeats Zarnell? Like she doesn't kill him, so I'm less upset by this. But like. You told me your story, so I love you, Stab. Like, nah, it was, it, nah, that part was kind of weak, I'm not going to lie. To me, that yeah. part was weak, but... It made sense, kind of, in the context of the story and the what the power set is and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, I was like, eh, okay. It, it, I would have been more upset by it if she actually killed him with that. I was like, nah, come on. Uh, you know, a, a dark god from the dark multiverse that, you know, that that's going to have to be... That's going to have to be a, a bit of a bigger challenge. But at the same time, it made sense. But I was like, eh. Much the same way like when Guy got the, the red and the violet ring together during War of the Green Lanterns. And he was like, I love the core, but hate that somebody's trying to kill it. <laughs> and that's when he got all super amped up. Like, that was sort of, okay, cool moment visually, but eh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I agree. Um, uh, is there is there anything else about this you wanted to go over? I, I will I will note. Uh, I didn't realize how many people were involved with this issue, in terms of writers, inkers, colorists, blah blah blah. So that may have gone towards some of my issues with the art. Just see, because usually when you get a, a crap ton of people involved, that's when deadlines are falling behind and. And people need to get stuff done. Now, it may be more people involved because of the two different art styles. 
um, used in this story, but at the same time, uh, it shouldn't be that many people for just two different art styles. So, well, uh, anything else about these two before we uh, wrap it on up? No, I think uh, they, they were they were, for standalone stories. They were pretty cool, and sometimes, and it was good to have a a little change of pace from the continuity of what's going on. Obviously, not, not as much with Green Lanterns because they've kind of been all over the map, and now that, that we're going to basically get two ar- two issue arc filler, though it is kind of following, I guess, the the, the blueprint of what Sealy was going to do. But still, it's you know, if we have change of art, you know, basically two cha- three different writers in the, like the and like the final like six issues or so of that of that book, as you hit issue fifty, you're gonna have like three different writers, at least. So it's kind of nice to have a standalone story and also to break up the monotony. And I don't mean in a horrible way of what's going on with Hal and the Core, where we have just one long ongoing story, which is not which is like maybe close to halfway through at this point, maybe, maybe. <laughs> We're knocking on the door being halfway through, but it still says a lot. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we close out this episode? Yeah, we were supposed to talk about Jeff Johns. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. So, Jeff Johns, uh, you're more the movie guy than I am. You want to tell people what happened? Well, depending on one's perspective, either Jeff Johns got fired, (laughs) (laughs) which is what basically a lot of people essentially think. Or, I think Diane Nelson got fired. Yeah, which is pro- which to be fair is probably true because a lot of the scuttlebutt is that Jeff Johns and Diane Nelson were butting heads a lot, uh, which could possibly possibly explain some of the piss poor direction that some of these DC movies have gone in. Though, like you and I talked about previously, at some point, uh, using using the defecation analogies, at some point Jeff Johns is going to have to shit or get off the pot. And he just can't keep having his hands tied to different projects, and the and some of them work out okay, and some of them, and the majority of them don't, and then you still give him a pass. I mean, I've been given, I I'm willing to still give him a pass, but now that he's he's for, he's basically launching his own production company within has, DC, yeah, technically. Yeah, well, because yeah. he's got an exclusive, right? He has an exclusive deal, yeah. I think, with with DC. So yep. he's going to be writing and he's going to be writing and or producing. Many of the many DC movies, he has a hand in. He has a hand in writing uh, Wonder Woman, or ha- currently Wonder One. Uh, he has a hand in what Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And of course, the the first real movie that his you know his production company is really is supposed to be involved in, and he's going to be writing, is going to be the Green Lantern Corps movie, which seemingly is. Which certainly seems to be putting that back on a in a relatively fast track. No, there is still no confirmed time whether they're going to stick to that 2020 original target date or not. I guess there's a chance, probably not. Uh, depends how long it takes to do the script, and you got to get casting. So I would kind of suspect they probably won't stick to that summer 2020 deadline for this. But it's possible. And the cool thing about that, which is right. Lock and step with what we talked about what, what last week, right? I think it was last. Uh, week. The the week before because you week, spent off. Was it the week? Oh, you're right. The week the, the week before. The uh, you're right because in my mind's eye, yeah. Uh, based on from a recording perspective, it, from a recording perspective, it was last week which I talked about that that uh, it is going to be Hal, it is going to be John. So the whole 
You can't one hundred percent confirm the buddy buddy thing. The you know the the uh, lethal weapon. Lethal weapon. Thing. You can't one hundred percent confirm that because that's not the little blurb on the on the ghost the Mad Ghost Productions page doesn't mention that, but it does reaffirm that it's Hal and John as the main characters, which doesn't mean Jessica can't be in it. It doesn't mean God help us. It doesn't mean Simon couldn't be in it. But it does mean that the focal point, logically, which always, which, which was our point all along, is that the two most well-known and most popular Green Lanterns across the entire spectrum, all pun intended, are Hal and Guy and Scott. Kidding, John, and uh, those should be the fo- those should be the main characters. And everybody else they bring in, all the other certainly Earth Green Lanterns, they can fit in in different parts and at different times, but. Hal and John should should have been the focus. That is smart, and really, that's going to be that's going to be huge for 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 Jeff Johns. This is if if because if, if Jeff Johns spits the bit doing a Green Lantern Corps movie, because you because many people predict logically if he's going to be producing and he's going to be writing that he's going to have a hand in picking the director, uh, going to have a role in that. So if he actually picks if he picks a director and he so and he's doing the script and he's overseeing it and everything else in Greenland. And I'm not even talking from a financial perspective because, as we know, a, fina- a movie can be good and, and, and tank at the box office, just like the opposite is true. So, but the, the key is whether the movie's good. <laughs> yeah. Really, I mean, you you want both. You want to hit it out of the park on both levels. But the real thing is he's got to do a good job with a Green Lantern core movie. And if he doesn't, then you got to really seriously wonder what. You know whether Jeff Johns is going to start fading into oblivion, even if it's for a period of time, and maybe just then he'll do the complete opposite, where he'll maybe go back to books and focus on rebuilding his rep with books, and then. But seemingly, this is what his interest, where his interests really lie, which would make sense since he kind of had his little apprenticeship under Donner on Superman, right? So. Yep. Um. So positives about this, Jeff Johns. Uh, at, at the very least in terms of Green Lantern. <laughs> okay. Um, however, now we can debate all day about the context to which he was involved. Okay. Because it would, it was definitely a much less involved role than it will be now. Green Lan- or Jeff Johns was involved in the green 2011 Green Lantern movie. Okay. Whether, whether it was a minimal involvement or whatever, he was involved in it. Let's throw that out there. Let's put that out in the in, in the ether. But he's also responsible for why that Green Lantern movie got made in the first place, given the stories that he told. And let's keep in mind, too, that Jeff Johns didn't just write the Green Lantern uh, title. He also wrote the first, alongside Dave Gibbons, but also wrote... Green Lantern Corps Recharge, which brought back the Green Lantern Corps proper. So before Gibbons took control going forward um, and and that run went on. Um, so he knows what he's doing with these characters. Does that mean just because he can write a good comic that he can write a good movie? Don't know. We'll see. Also, a concern of mine is how much power he has here. Does he have a lot of power? Does he have a lot of control? Does he have a lot of influence? Yes. Does he deserve a lot of it? Yeah, I say so. Others may not, but yes, I say so. Should all that power and influence be exercised whenever he feels like it? 
No. <laughs> I, I don't like the idea of one person, no matter how good their ideas are, how, how much you trust that person or whatever, being the end-all, be-all, say-all of the future of the DCU movie-wise. Because Jeff Johnson has got some great ideas. I love a lot of the stuff that he does. But Jeff Johns, like every single other one of us on this planet, is not infallible. Jeff Johns doesn't have the perfect ideas on everything all the time. Somebody else in the writer's room, some uh, a director making a shot call or a, a camera worker or somebody in the editing room, you know, some, whatever. Whatever during the movie-making process there is that can see a scene in a different way and change it for the better. So long as Jeff Johns doesn't get too big-headed about this and just shoot down anything that's not 100% in line with his division, that works for me. But if we get a Jeff Johns who's like, hey, that doesn't line up with what I've got here, and you know the DCU's been, you know, because the DCU's been failing so much that it would be easy to go. All right, everything up until this point, except for you know Chris Nolan's Dark Knight movies and the Patty Jenkins Wonder Woman movie, so on and so forth. Those certain things, everything before this has sucked. So and uh, the the audience doesn't really like it. I know what I'm doing. Uh, so you really don't have any basis to say I can't do this and I am in charge. So let's do it my way and make sure it works. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work just because it's his way. So I'm, I'm really hoping that Jeff Johns has a team of people on these movies that he can trust and not override too much is essentially what I'm saying here. Because other people do have good ideas and we should definitely make sure that we're taking all that in consideration. Oh, I, Jeff, I had this idea, which, which is, which is 100% true. I think he's had a history of this because if you read like the original scripts for Green Lantern Rebirth, we can see that the end product of what we got at, is the result of like the people around him at DC going, Oh, you should do this and this and this has changed. So we should tweak this. So the end product of what we got with Green Lantern Rebirth is very different from the original script. And, some of us would argue that while it would have been cool to see some of those original ideas, the end product is something we really love and enjoy, which is, is a result of collaboration. So he has the history of doing it. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying when you get into the bigger and bigger audience audiences here, there's, 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 there's room to be worried that Jeff Johns having this role especially given the failure of previous movies may make things go, no, 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 we're doing it my way. So, because this is the right way. And I'm not saying he's an egomaniacal or he's an ass or anything like that. I'm just saying there's a lot riding on this. So maybe, maybe his, his goal will cause him to take too much of the reins when he really should be listening to others. But I will admit it sets my mind more at ease knowing Jeff Johns is behind the Green Lantern Corps movie. It sets my mind more at ease knowing that John and Hal are a part of it, and so on and so forth. Do I still like the idea of a Jared Leto Joker movie? No. <laughs> um, but they did also just come out today 
saying that uh, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, the Joker origin movie, uh, is going to have a $55 million budget. So, uh, relatively speaking, supposedly that's that's a low budget. Uh, $55 million sounds like a lot of money to me, but evidently that's it's because it's going to have like a more grounded noir feeling, uh, and it's supposed to be releasing under, quote-unquote, DC's new banner. They didn't say Mad Ghost Productions or whatever, um, but they did say under DC's new banner. So there are a lot of goods and positives about this. I'm just slightly apprehensive about how much power it's. it seems like from this recent announcement Jeff Johns has. That's all I'm saying. I think would. I think the important thing is maybe not even how much power, but maybe what kind of power. Uh, it, if it's really true that he was, you know, he was clashing with but Diane Nelson, uh, mm-hmm. all, and that, and if that clashing affected the direction of some of the movies, then I think then you know maybe moving that obstacle out of the way could be a good thing. We do, we, there are, there, I mean, there are reasons to be concerned. I mean, Green, I mean, obviously the first Green Lantern movie he, he was involved in, but then to be fair, so was Greg Berlanti. You know, Berlanti was hmm. involved, Berlanti was involved in it. And now people think he's like this, you know, the, the TV guru and everything, but he, he had his hand firmly planted in that, in that disaster. Too. True, and we still we still haven't done that episode of on the original script, which we should do. At some oh point. yeah, you're right. That actually would be a cool one to do. Uh, yeah. So Berlanti was involved, just like Johns. Obviously, we know from the talking about the original script that you can you can see where some of Johns' influences was in in changing it because of where the, where they went with the villain. That you can you know, take it to the bank that his that his influence is what certainly. If it wasn't the deciding factor, it was a strong factor in making Parallax be the villain as opposed to Legion. Now it makes sense it wouldn't be Legion, as we've talked about when we did Emerald when we did Emerald Dawn. Uh, the reality is, Legion was a one-time villain. He's never even been back since. He has no other than people who have ties to that story and feel you know warm and fuzzy about it. He really is not super relevant to the Green Lantern mythos, other than what more what Guardian mistakes. So it always made sense to change the villain no matter who you went. The problem was it seems like they didn't really change much else. They just threw the Parallax name on it and didn't give you anything that resembled Parallax. With a half-assed, ex- without even a real explanation in the beginning of, of, of why he was basically in the, the Krona Parallax merging and why that made sense. You didn't get that till later on. So you could see John's influence in that. Supposedly John's also had a hand in the Justice League. And we don't. We also, but we. To be fair, we also don't know if how much of what the Justice League Justice League became was because of Johns's influence versus what the the change when they brought uh, Whedon in. So because obviously that was another movie that completely shifted a lot of direction and tone hmm. when Snyder was when Snyder left, quote unquote, was <laughs> given the given the boot. But I I want to believe, you know. I want to believe in X Files here. I want to believe <laughs> that Jeff Johns, of all people, would be the one to be able to figure out to write something that works. Because we know he gets the characters, 
Some people, and of course, for the Jeff Johns haters in the world, and it's kind of funny watching people lose their shit over on the Green Lantern Corps website because there's so many people that just hate Jeff Johns. Uh, and people who think, and it just fits in with their narrative, the people who think Jeff Johns has been pulling the strings all this time on Green Lantern, even though the, the, the even though it's been like poking holes in the stuff that he's built up, and the whole franchise has been going straight down the toilet in like the last five years since he's been gone, but people still think that Jeff Johns is the one who has final control of what happens in that book. I, I, that, these books would be a lot better regardless of whether you think of Jeff Johns' ideas. They'd, they'd be better sellers and they'd be more popular if he had more of a hand in these books. Uh, the reality is, while it opens the door for the haters, I think it gives people hope. You know, It gives people hope, hope that something can be done to make this... But if and if it and if it doesn't work, then it's just probably not going to work. <laughs> but that can I'll, be. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll I'll say there's another there's another thing in the positive column column for me is Johns was trained by Richard Donner. I mean, like, I'm sorry that that, that that's automatically a, a a check in the uh, positive column for me. Um, now Donner is not infallible by any means. Uh, same as I said for Jeff, just, I mean, nobody is, but, and I'll, I'll even go as far as saying I've seen tons and tons of interviews with Richard Donner. Sometimes to me, Donner comes off like a bit of an asshole. Um, but at the same time, you look at his body of work and you're just like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess it's, it's almost like a Neil Adams kind of thing. You can be an asshole only to a point <laughs> before some people will just start saying, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> uh, but you know, they're, you know, there's 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 certain things when when Neil Adams, uh, for example, acts egotistical or, or, or says a certain thing uh, that is a bit just full of himself. You're like, oh, that was a bit weird. But you also go, well, he's fucking Neil Adams. <laughs> like, I guess if anybody's earned the right to say it, he has. Um, but then there are certain other things he can say where you're just like, oh, I don't care who he is. Sort of the same thing with Richard Donner. I mean, he's a, he's a legend. Uh, and, you know, regardless of, of anything, that's where Jeff got his start and a ton of his inspiration. If you've ever watched interviews or listened to interviews with Jeff is he, he has such reverence for Richard Donner and, and, and talks about all the things that he taught him that he still takes with him lessons he learned when he's writing scripts or even comics. So I really, I, I, that's that's another win in the positive column for me is is his reverence and training by Richard Donner. And if he is going to have more control over the uh, the overall project compared to what he had before, then that so this that's why I think that's why I think this is really going to be more of the, uh, the the train you know the, the put up or shut up. For Jeff Johns, because uh, he's going to have again, he's not he's not directing it, so in theory, he's not going to have the ultimate control, not truly. Mm-hmm. But we don't necessarily know how much that's just that's the question mark. We don't we don't know how much what this role really yes, is. We don't know how much the same way we didn't know what chief creative officer meant when he was first announced that he was going to become that. Right, we don't entirely know. We we can assume. That he's going to have a big, a large amount of power, especially because he is writing the movie and he's going to be a producer on the movie. And like we mentioned before, the odds are, even if he's not the final arbiter, that he's going to have an influence, a strong influence on the, the director. 
it would be really surprising if he didn't have a big say in who was going to be, you know, who was going to be directing this movie. So, and on that level, he is just pretty much just as culpable as if he was directing it himself. If he, if he, if especially if he is the one who, at the end of the day, he gets that when push comes to shove, if there's any conflict or that he gets to make the final decision, at least this time. Uh, to, just to give him, you know, as much free reign as he as he needs, or just we got to see which, you know, at the end of the day, we need to see what Jeff can do, you know. So let's just let him do it, you know. Just let him pick if he's really if he thinks this guy or this or this chick has, this, you know, has the the right vision, and he can work with, you know, he can work with them to get this movie done. So that's what we're gonna see. I it certainly made me feel better because when, when last time we were talking about this and the fact that we really haven't had any movement up until now, we haven't had any movement on this movie for a long time. And hmm. it seemed like this movie was just very likely to just never come to fruition. Now it seems like it will. Now I think I you feel more confident that we're at least going to get this movie now. Even like two a couple of weeks ago, Probably not. Or you figured at the very least it was going to be pushed back. Maybe they'll st- they would still do it down the road, depending on how the rest of the DC stuff falls falls into place. Now you kind of get the vibe that maybe they're kind of committed to this, no matter what. So they're gonna they're gonna move forward, even if it's depending and even so. I mean, let's 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 just let's just be blunt. If they're gonna move ahead with the Ezra Miller Flash movie which now seemingly once again is not going to be Flashpoint, and now whatever they said today, like it's going to be more Back to the Future, but less Flashpoint, yada, yada. If they could, if they could but then that's what some of the criticism for uh, but Jeff Johns, too, was like if Jeff, depending how much influence he had on Justice League, is like, you're, you, you, you were going to prove that that version of Barry Allen? <laughs> but either way, all kid, but partially kidding aside, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's it just seems like well you know they're gonna they're still gonna do the Flash movie Cyborg seems you know DOA right now which is probably for the best they Shazam is what finished right principal photography is finished on Shazam we should see a teaser relatively soon I know for sure we're gonna be getting an Aquaman trailer very soon yeah um, we have, yeah we have we have to so yeah it's you know and and Wonder Wonder Woman two that's that's kind of ramp that's ramping up now so it's it's going to be interesting. There's still a lot of things that can blow holes in this. I mean, the the Jared Leto Joker movie. I don't think that's pump, that's pumping people up. Uh, Shazam's going to be really. It's hard to it's hard to imagine that movie being a big hit. To be perfectly blunt, but it's but it's really going to be hit or miss. It could do, it could be okay. It could do all right, or it could completely crash and burn. That's very easy. You could see that blowing up. I don't see. Yeah, I've, I've said before. It just really depends on. If they're able to capture what what makes Shazam slash Captain Marvel slash Billy Batson really appeal to an audience, since God, he's been around as long as Superman has for almost as long as Superman has. So, I mean, if he's lasted this long, if he outsold Superman at one point, there's a reason behind it. So, you really got to capture that to to make that movie happen, right? And the trailers are going to be pretty important. Yeah, very important for that. So, so there's a lot of things on their docket that can still that can still crash and burn, for better or for mm-hmm. worse. Right now, it seems like you know they're it's like they plan on plowing through no matter what. It's like it's like they're going into that tunnel and it's like it's a it's like a 12 foot clearance. They're like they're like 12 and a half feet, but 
you know, I think we can still make it through. <laughs> that that's kind of what seems to be their approach. Is like, yeah, we may we may we may suffer some damage, but I think we'll be able to make it through with him. Be okay. It's 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 hard to say, but certainly it's a big. I think it's a big step in a positivity which we really haven't had a lot related to Green Lantern in a while in general. Let's be honest. So I think that's that's the plus to it. But what we we'll. But we'll have to see. We'll see. Yeah, because we don't. Yeah, that, that's really all it comes down to, guys. Is we'll see. Uh, and another thing too, if, if you're if you're worried, even slightly, like I am, about Jeff Johns's power in this, his first movie supposedly in this whole venture is Green Lantern Corps, and given the breadth of his work on the on the property, this is his time. Like, if he can't do it for this. Then it doesn't bode well for the rest of his tenure on this in this role. No, this yeah, this is I mean this is one of those. It's put it's put up or shut up from the very beginning. Yes, like I said, it, it's yeah, it, it is you know it is absolutely because he, on one level there's no on one level there's I mean there's always pressure, but on one level it's a it's a it's an it's an easier project because you're so well versed in it. This is where you made your reputation really. I mean he's obviously made his. He made his reputation in smaller steps building up to it. Obviously, they trusted him enough to give him infinite. Yeah, in, Star and Stripe and JSA. And, and, and you know, in, 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 in Infinite Crisis, too, even though Green yeah. Lantern obviously was back before, you know, the core, the core was back by Infinite Crisis. But still, the fact that, that, but still, Green Lantern had not gone to the stratosphere yet that it had, you know, that it was going to go to. But but still, he, you know, he really cut his teeth on, on Green Lantern. That's what made him... Gave him all the power that he had, put him on the map, made you know basically made something like Blackest Night possible, helped get the Green Lantern movie greenlit, no pun intended. All that was because of his success on Green Lantern. So on one level, it's it's not it's about you it's in your wheelhouse so much that it, you should be able to do a good job with it, and as opposed to a, a character or a, or a property that you're not that familiar with. But on the other hand, because you know it so intimately. If you don't knock it out of the park, then that's going to really reflect negatively on you. Yep. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Uh, Mark, you want to tell people how they can reach us? Sure. Once I get my document open again. Did hey before I, I do that? Did you did you watch the Halloween trailer? I did not. As a matter of fact, there was. Thanks for reminding me. There was a trailer I wanted to watch because Dum- the Dumbo trailer. Yes, came the out Dumbo today. trailer. Which I haven't. I, I opened a tab and then closed it. I was like, all right, I'll watch that in a little bit, and then I totally forgot to watch that. So. Well, you try to watch. Have you seen? Did you just see Halloween? Have you actually seen Halloween? Never seen any Halloween. Ah, Chad. All right, so that, like, that, that leaves out the impact of it. So I guess we won't do that. I'll I'll try to watch the Dumbo trailers, or at least we can talk about that next time. All right, so lanterncast at gmail.com, the easiest way to contact us. Website lanterncast.com. And pretty much the latest episodes, uh, by the time actually this comes out, Jim and I would have had a a rebirth of our own with the, with the, with the toy podcast coming back with a new number one episode. Yeah, as you guys hear hear this episode, it'll have aired last week. We're yep. recording this on, uh, what is this, the 13th? Yes, the 13th. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going. So Jim and I have brought that back as an official Lantern Cast spinoff now, so... That will come out on occasion under the Lantern Cast banner. We're an expanding empire, Chad. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can, especially since we, you and I both have 
things in the hopper too, for, as, for, as far as more spinoffs go. You'll be <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I'm going to finish JLA or, or GLGA to a point uh, before I start my next spinoff. <laughs> yes. So, and I, well, I I can't guarantee I'll be finishing. Well, I can. I actually can guarantee we won't be finishing the Spectre. We won't be finishing pre-birth before, in a perfect world, before I go with my idea for another spinoff. But at least there is there is some light at the end of the tunnel, appropriately for that too, to finish off the pre-birth. Uh, we'll have to see Jim's availability. I may have to get some substitute co-hosts, even though I know we have determined we are doing the Soul the Soul War storyline next, which I think is one of the better ones to do. One of the more interesting ones. Yeah, it ones should be fun. Because at least it, it's Hal working with the Justice League again, and there's such a huge moment at the end between Hal and, and some characters that I, that is one of the more memorable, important moments of during Hal's, certainly during the middle middle to the end of Hal's run as the Spectre. Obviously, we, we've already chronicled a lot of the key moments in the beginning, but that was a huge turning point in that storyline. Plus, it was really cool. Uh, so that'll be the next one we do. Uh, but we will have other spin-offs coming. So yes, and the toy podcast has become a, officially one of our, one of ours now. So yes, we're on Twitter and Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on both. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, whichever platform you listen to us on. Please give us a positive review. And last but not least, though it seems last because we're not getting anything lately, the voicemail is 708 Lantern. So what the hell? Let us know what you think. <laughs> Oh, yeah, if you're going to send us an email, please do that, too, because all we do lately when we get on there is just delete spam. So even though come to, on now. Even though, to be fair, in some way, shape, or form, we still have to deal with the, uh, was it Jesse's Cullen Bun topic? Was it Jesse's? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, at some point, we at least have to we at least have to figure out how we're going to address that elephant in the room, even though I think we can just do it. In, we can do it with broad strokes and not necessarily go into a whole lot of specifics. But, uh... But it's, which is about which is about lost essentially people is about how lost army would have ended what how it would have ended and where we would have been left and what the, the how he envisioned the status quo being once the Green Lanterns came back into the universe, which is quite interesting because it does at least everything we read completely tells you that Venditti kind of went off left field in what yeah. he did. Uh, so, but yeah, seven oh eight Lantern. So let us know what you think. All right, next episode, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, I think we'll be due for that, and then, but yeah, we'll do Hal in the core next, and then probably at that point the little mini arc with Jessica, the filling, the filling uh, between Celia and Jorgens will be wrapped up. So I think we'll do do that. One. And I've got a GLGA. Yes. I'm in the process of uh, of uh, planning slash uh, researching, uh, and uh, we do have some interviews planned. Uh, one of which, uh, Mark. Uh, I, I heard back on on the one that you said it would be cool if we got him, and and uh, my contact at DC said, yeah, we're definitely still on for that. Thanks for the reminder. Well, that that would be cool. So, yeah, we have an issue, uh, an an interview coming up uh, pretty soon. Uh, I haven't heard back on the on the uh, on the other ones, but. The one you said would be pretty cool that we have. I, I do have confirmation that we're still on for that. Yeah, that as we can remain cryptic. Yes, that'll be really cool just because of the because of the relevance of him in such major story arcs to begin with, including at least one major one. Actually, technically, you could say two major ones related to Green Lantern. <laughs> for sure. Yep. 
All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. And good night.